Let's go ahead and do this. Let's do it. In the city, we gon' slide. Bet I be there pronto. Me, my guys, we really live. Lord, forgive me, pay my ties. Please don't have me reach inside. And that's in the console. Keep the semi when I ride. Let off Henny when I drive. In the city, we gon' slide. Bet I be there pronto. What's going on, people? It's the Chop Up Show. You know what's going on. It's your girl, Toya G. It's another Thursday. It's another Thursday. We checking in with everybody in the chat. So as you come in, say what's up. Tell us where you're from. If you're listening to us on Apple uh, Podcasts or Spotify, we're about to get on Amazon Music real quick. I, I didn't even know that was coming, but it's coming. Shout out to y'all for being loyal, staying tapped in, being listeners week after week. Um Join us for a live show. You know we go live every Thursday night, 7.30 uh, p.m., Pacific, really close to the eight. This is close to the eight. Uh Pacific. Right, right. And then typically we try to be 930, 9.50 Central. So y'all check in with us and see what's good. But I'm not by myself. I'm with the homies with the gang. Who else I'm with? The boy Damo, the political plug here again. I love this show. I love y'all. I love pulling up. I'm ready to get it in. Yeah. Yes, man. George Lee, aka Consciously. Don't forget the Lee. We got, you know, consciously.com. A lot of things on there you can go check out. You know, got some new updates coming to the website. Looking forward to this conversation today, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited, too. I think the theme of tonight's conversation in a couple different contexts is wokeness and what that means and how far it takes us. I think as we are talking about uh, entertainment, as we're talking about media, as we're talking about politics, like what does that mean? What does that look like? And how do we kind of recreate that? Or is it worth recreating? Is it something we want to hold on to? Um, I want to start the conversation with the vibe check. Got a couple of things I want to talk to you about before we turn it over to uh, the squad to take it a little bit further. First thing is alert, alert, alert. I know you saw the picture uh, on Instagram of the tattooed hand holding the football and you can't really see the person it's connected to. But if you know anything, you know, the NFL has announced that Rihanna will be doing the halftime show for the Super Bowl uh, coming to you this February Shout-out-to-the-Navy-Navy-Navy-Navy-Navy-Navy-Navy-Navy-Navy-Navy-Navy-Navy-Navy-Navy-Navy-Navy-Navy-Navy-Navy-Navy-Navy-Navy-Nav
hearing that Taylor Swift was supposed to be the headliner, right? Which begs the question of what kind of Jay-Z is doing behind the curtains, right? We've been critical of the NFL's relationship with Black people. We've been critical of Jay-Z and his influence on NFL because you made all this noise about how relationships and patience and building bridges and shit was important um, in forging a relationship with the NFL. And so now we kind of start to see some of this, right? Um, let's not forget, though, that Rihanna was on Team Cap at Once Upon once upon a Time, right? Was definitely right with Colin Kaepernick, was definitely outspoken mm-hmm. in her criticisms of the NFL. I forget. Huh? You said what, what plug? Can't forget. Yeah, you can't right? Forget. And so... Long story short, my question to y'all is, is she faking? Is she a sellout? Is is this a, a common example of the money kind of being able to uh, get people to abandon what they believe in, abandon their convictions, abandon their activism, and kind of get on board? And should we be critical her, of her performance because of this? I think, think I, I think this is, inadvertently, this, has be, this actually becomes kind of like a carryover from the last time we talked about Rihanna. Okay. In the conversation yeah. of, of, of capitalism, right? And, and you know, about how Jay-Z get a lot of slack, but Rihanna don't, right? I think this is one of those instances where I don't think she's going to get a pass with this. I think a lot of people are bringing up the fact that, like, hmm, this is interesting. You still look Colin Kaepernick against the NFL, but when that bag show up, it's, you know, it what the NFL put the uh, National Fenty League. Right, I didn't see that. It, interesting. Yeah, hmm. on, on their Instagram, on the on the NFL Instagram, they changed the it national to uh, the And so, and, and so, I think I think here again, though, this is where we got to understand the type of people we're dealing with. This is why we shouldn't care that Rihanna stood. With <laughs> well, hold on. Okay, I, 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 and I missed Maximum Tata. I missed I missed you. I don't. You you've been out of our life a little bit, but you came back. Bringing heat because I think you have a great point that we should we need to talk about real quick before we move to our next topic, and it is that Maximum Tatao says I think at this point performing at the Super Bowl is a protest in and of itself. So is that how we need to understand this? Has the paradigm shifted? The mission stayed the same, but how we get there different to where a proliferation, um, an expansion of black presence on these shows is what's really sticking it to them, or is that cap? Like no pun intended. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, pro- I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say this and then Lee got it. I'm protesting work by going into work i'm protesting how we treated at the job by clocking in okay i'm okay so that's that's one that's one perspective of a valid one uh lee what you think i think what tattoo is getting into is how a lot of the black performances then have time pisses off a lot of white people but i think that that can't be the bright line based off of i feel like you know what i'm saying whether 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 it's a protest it pisses mm-hmm. off white people because I think that you know ultimately white people benefit the most in the instances in terms of financially how those performances take place. Um, for me, I I think that uh like Jay-Z setting it up, you know what I'm saying? And shit, mm-hmm. to me, it's like shit. If we celebrated last year, you feel me, uh Super Bowl for being so black, it's like I don't see why we wouldn't this year if you know what I'm saying Rihanna headlining it, you know what I mean? Um I think oh, I think Will the Greatest threw out something interesting. Y'all really got me thinking now because Will the Greatest said it'd be wild if she donated some of the proceeds to a charity related to Kaepernick and did it openly, openly, right? I think now that is some next level. And if she, choose, 
I think it speaks to, and the plug is shaking his head, but let me tell you what I think it allows for us to do is to recognize kind of some of the necessary, I think, strategery beyond just protesting something. The NFL already showed us. Niggas can protest the game. They could be mad about it. And the league kept going. Did nothing about the NFL stop them a couple of seasons where everybody was angry about the NFL and threatening the protests and stuff like that. Nothing changed. We saw the Brian Flores and the whole conversations about the league being actively anti-Black and not hiring coaches. And nothing changed. And so I think in a world where we see time and time again in the face of necessary activism, niggas are still going to patronize some things. That people still going to do stuff. It's about really getting in there and being strategic about how you end up maybe participating in things. So instead of just the regular old protest them, don't show up, don't perform, stick it to you like that. Maybe I take the money and flip it. I think that's a realistic kind of strategy. Plug you shaking your head. What's what's the problem? I, George, do you agree? Do you agree? I, I before I speak on it, I want to. I, I want the full panel perspective. Because maybe George is explaining it in a way that, you know what I mean? Because what Toya's saying, I'm like, the Toya usually gets to me, but I'm like, mm. So maybe George, can, <laughs> George maybe you can explain it in a way. Don't, don't, don't speak your piece. I'm curious. I'm curious. Uh, I'm just speak your piece. Yeah, see, nah, none of that. First of all, Rihanna's a billionaire, okay? She could own an NFL team if she wanted to. There are no bags to flip with the NFL, right? This is one of them things to where what would what would have been more productive, the counter hegemonic thing to do is to turn it down. Rihanna Why? don't need that money. Because right. it's, then they just, just fill in the space with another white person who don't need that money and gets the attention and gets that, the that's, that's fine though. But now, Rihanna gets to stand attached to a principle that's already been undermined heavily. The Colin Cap the Colin Kaepernick principle has been undermined heavily. The Nike checks, the movies, the Netflix deals, all of the, the, the Ob- all of this shit has been associated with it. It's the, worst <laughs> it's the worst forms of neoliberalism. It's the worst forms of it. It's the feel-good neoliberalism. The spend money to make us smile neoliberalism. But what's more important than what we need specifically nowadays is that principle. We need to see principle. And consistently, time and time again, principle right. is undermined. Whatever. If you're trying to build a dam by throwing pebbles in the water, then what are we really doing here? Right? Like, if, if you're trying to stop the water from flowing, but you're like, I'm going to throw this pebble in there. And by throw this pebble, I mean, Yankee, one Rihanna out of it, but ain't no other celebrities doing this. Ain't no other movements. Like, it's just... Rihanna didn't perform it. Like, what does that do? I think is the question that we're trying to resolve and figure out. So, like, I'm not saying that her, you know, taking the money or not taking the money changes necessarily anything. I just question this idea that the principle of not showing up there is really all that material and palpable in a way that's like really sticking it to him the way we want to think it is. I don't know. I have a question for Fire Trainer. Comment in the, uh, the chat and follow up with us. When you say donating money isn't really that systemically viable, what do you mean by that? Like, do you mean that it's not really going to do anything? Do you mean that donating money is just kind of going to be a Band-Aid over a bigger issue? Like, what do you mean by that? Uh, let's see. You followed up by saying it's just capitalism to excuse blatant racism. I can see that. That's what he's saying. Donating money is, yeah. Got you. Got you. Got uh, you. I got you. I see it. That makes a lot of sense to me. I'll say this, oh. and I'll pass it to, to Lee real quick. Well, you know, I, I know the uniqueness of it, though, and I, I guess this 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 isn't a a a pass for her to, I guess, 
go on there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But I do know she has been turning Super Bowl down, halftime down uniquely for, for a long time. But I, I, I feel like we keeping the same energy with being critical of her and, and still thinking about the impact structurally for the NFL and what that means. It's like, shit. Yeah, one end, like, yeah, if you should have said middle nigga to the NFL, but the other end, they was going to find another nigga that was going to take it. This is going to be black, probably. They was just going to get another nigga. That, another, another yeah, nigga. that was going to call. Well, no, but, but I don't think it, he's too new. Go ahead. Right. I, but I don't think it's about sticking it to the – I don't think it's about sticking it to the NFL at this point because the, the NFL is a monster that's going to move through, you know what I'm saying, all this other shit regardless. Like, all three of us are staunch NFL, you know what I'm saying. Like, we watch games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, we are fans, even though we have these. Had to get right, right? to go. Even though we have these overall criticisms, so I think that that the NFL benefits from cognitive dissonance, like the sports teams. Period. Like that yeah. industry benefits from cognitive dissonance the most, and I think that Rihanna kind of standing on that principle would have been more productive for the Colin Kaepernick movement, though. Because I think Rihanna may have been, like, the last holdout for the Cape, like for the, for the Kaepernick movement in terms of, you being know... Ex- exactly. Not, like, not being undermined by, you know, whatever whatever corporation. Because I think Colin Kaepernick has been undermined than a mug by, uh, by, by the way that he was, you know, martyred. You know what I mean? Like, given the circumstances. You feel me? So, mm-hmm. you know, that's another conversation, though. Final thoughts for our transition over to the next part of the snap uh, to the buy check. Cool. What I want to do real quick is shout out to Sauce on the side. I want to say what's up to Tiffany. Want to say what's up to Miss Maisha. All y'all in here and then slid in on the conversation was good. Uh, and the last thing I give the last word to Fire Trainer uh, ninety two who says celebrities can't really be the face of the movement. And we've had conversations about this before on the chop up about you know and and, and uh, who who was the the activist was it. Uh, Malcolm X, who criticized the fact, or was it Muhammad Ali? No, it was my head to be Malcolm X. That criticized the idea that our entertainers are the liberators for our movements in the black community. Criticized the idea that the people who get up and sing our songs and play our sports are the ones who are expected to also lead the the the, the new horizons of what liberty and what equality look like. And so. Right. That's a question that we'll probably come back to in a different context, surely in a later conversation, because we're always negotiating if the LeBrons, if the uh, pick some other people who like to, to to speak out about certain things, the Kyries, a lot of different people, if they're the people we need to be ambassadors Kyrie. to our perspectives. Kyrie um, should be the leader of the movement, obviously. You know? <laughs> yeah, nah, Kyrie should be the face, <laughs> goddammit. If it, the earth is any movement, Any movement that Kyrie is the face of, I'm a part of it. Thank you. And speaking of, now that you booed and we can move on from that, this is the last thing I want to tap in with y'all about. How many, in the comments, y'all let me know, and then y'all let me know, have y'all checked out this Jeffrey Dahmer, uh, was it Dahmer movie on uh, Netflix? It's been out. It's been circulating on a lot of my Twitter feed, my Instagram feed. A lot of people have been talking about it. Um, Have y'all watched it? Have y'all have y'all tapped into it? The plug says no. I didn't watch it and I don't plan on watching it. You know what I'm saying? Can I ask why you don't plan on watching it? I really, I really, I feel like usually I don't try to be on shit like this, but I really see the film as monetization of black suffering. I really see the film as straight up as that, me being on Twitter the way I'm able to be on Twitter. I've been able to read the tweets of the family members of Jeffrey Dahmer's victims. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's just really able to peep, peep game like the girl saying, I had to relive, now I had to relive it. That was me. They had my clothes. They said the exact words I said. You know what I'm saying? And it's really just like how much the story needs to be told. Anyway, think about it from a critical level, you feel me? It's like, 
we keep on humanizing white serial killers at the expense of black humanity and mm. just keep on going with it. It's like this story has been told like 10 times. So let me ask this question, though, because you just talked about humanization. And I think, you know, we can look at that a couple different ways because, yeah, you humanize them in terms of getting them, giving them a personality, showing them as people who are attempting to live a regular life but are dealing with these inner demons or whatever. But I think does it not that humanization not also like just show you that it could be anybody? Like to me, when they humanize those characters, it just made me walk out my front door and look at my neighbors a whole lot more sideways. Like you could be on some bullshit. And now that I see that I don't, I'm not deifying or mystifying serial killers, but rather I recognize it can be the regular old Joe Schmo. It it kind of makes me just be on the edge of my seat a little bit more. So am I am I giving it too much credit? Or I I think, no, uh, not really. I, don't, not really. I think giving other people too much credit. I think it's more on point though because we're talking about humanizing a real person. The nigga was real. Like yeah, I just yeah, yeah, Jeffrey Dahmer, like Jeffrey Dahmer, like it, 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 it'll be one thing if it was like you know how niggas treated Killmonger and Black Panther, mm. <laughs> right? Like how yeah, it was like yeah, he was the one that was for us. The nigga was you know what I'm saying fucking up the culture. Like what are we talking? Like it, it was all these issues that was wrong with it, right? But we talking about. Somebody that was a human. So if anything, what it speaks to and what it displays is the capacity of mankind, right? Like the type of shit that yeah. people get into. And and what we got to remember is when we're sitting and we're watching these, you know what I'm saying, Netflix shows about white people murdering other white people, we can't assume that like our trauma is now off, you know what I'm saying, off limits. Yeah. Like we... We applaud. Right. Like, girl, did you watch that what such and such Netflix show about that crazy ass... You know what I'm saying? We say that about them doing that to their own shit. You feel me? So it's like when 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 it turned around and like with Je- yeah, Jeffrey Dahmer had you know black victims and all of that, right? But mm. at the same time, there's been plenty of movies about John Wayne Gacy, pedophile murderer. Right, yeah, and that's yeah. I mean, maximum Tata kind of points at this. They say it's kind of it's very annoying, and I believe you identified as a she in the last show. So she said it's very annoying that they keep making movies about the same two serial killers every fifteen to twenty years. So uh, Jeffrey Dahmer and um and and uh, Terry Buddy. Yeah. Every now and again we get some Zodiac killer in there, but yeah, it's it's a it's a lot of them. And so I guess. So my question, because, okay, so which one is worse? Let me ask this question to y'all. Ask this question to the chat, and then I want to go to some of the comments that y'all dropping. Like, romanticizing this dude. This man got people talking about him being cute and literally get making excuses and, for So this is what I'm going to get to, right? Because like, I think... Like, nah, this is weird. I, I, what, 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 what is... And this is what I want to ask. What's worse? Having these images that kind of humanize and tell the story and, and expose some of the details that we may or may not be aware of, or releasing it into a popular culture that don't seem to take shit serious, right? Like, because I don't think that the Dahmer story or any of these stories are ever released with like the they go. I mean, because that was just a part. That was literally a part of like his story and kind of you know as things develop, people saw him and found him attractive and shit like that. But I don't think they ever introduced it for a new generation of people to be like, oh yeah, Dahmer was really hot. Duh, 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 duh. Or even make memes. So like the glasses that he wore, I seen a meme that was like, these are the serial killer glasses. These must be like, why are we laughing and joking? about these things i've seen um um uh skits with people being like like you know what i'm saying just crazy like i think that is where i'm more concerned is less on the creators of these stories and these representations and more on a society and a culture that just don't take shit serious that is troubling to me what y'all think so two things right 
the first thing is the a part of the reason why like, I don't watch the uh like the, the dramatization of these types of shit is because oddly enough, for some reason, I had in my house there was all type of like crime books. Like there was like an encyclopedia of crime. There was this FBI CIA book that just was in my house. And I and I ended up reading all of these shits. Mm-hmm. And so it was a lot, a lot of this stuff I knew. You know what I'm saying? Like I've been, I knew about uh, for like just a long time, knowing the details. I watch crime documentaries. All of this shit is just things that that, that that I'm like that I would be low key interested in. Son of Sam, you know, all of that type of shit, right? What what you notice with that is even while these things are taking place, serial killers typically develop fans. They get mm-hmm. while they're in jail, they get mm-hmm. fan mail, right? They they have like literally websites and groups dedicated to like worshiping like these serial killers. And so when like a a part of like our culture already without the Netflix shit, just them existing, them doing it for real, they they get supporters like that anyway. Like that's just, that's the the way celebrity culture is perverted in that way. It's just kind of, it's the nature of the beast. I want to say, right. Mm -hmm. The, 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 The flip side to that is, a lot of these things actually, this is where pop culture defines like society. The phrase don't drink the Kool-Aid comes from that's, a little bit for this one. Yeah. You said what? Yeah, that like that that comes from like uh uh the Jonestown, the Jonestown yeah. and the you know what I'm saying the Jonestown massacre. And so what ends up happening is when these things are 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 put in our media and broadcasted and, and like literally tied to like our, our popular culture. Right, our media culture, it it inevitably becomes a part of like our society. Like the story of Jeffrey Dahmer is mm-hmm. a American story, right? Like when you talk about like crime in America, is you know it is like literally a part of our pop culture. The same, right. I mean, because we talking about like serial killers, but people look at us and be like, y'all just listen to gangbangers talk about killing each other, and that's okay, right? The uniqueness I'm coming at it from is this. The Netflix documentaries and Netflix shows I've seen that involve people with real stories, the people that's involved with those stories are some way in some type of way giving consent to part of those stories. They're part of telling the story. You see what I'm saying? When I'm talking about the 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 the, the shit that's going on in Utah and I've seen the crazy, you feel me, Mormon shit going on, no right. people consented to giving their story. You feel mm-hmm. what I'm saying? When I'm watching shit the other you know what i'm saying shit or whatever you feel me but it, even some of them they had people that's part of it if it's jeffrey Dahmer, they had nobody a part of it is a part of that, so that yeah. about the uniqueness of black gay people and how literally you didn't give shit to them and then even in this story the last victim was named tracy edwards i've watched tracy edwards testify on, on I, I watched his actual testimony you feel me? He the one that survived. He the one that was able to make it blue the hell out of this shit, right? Tracy Edwards died a life of PTSD on drugs and going through a whole bunch of shit, right? Never recovered. Mm-hmm. Fam, mm-hmm. Tracy Edwards' family should be getting some type of proceeds from the top 10 documentary in the country right now. So for me, it's really thinking about you didn't you telling somebody a story. You literally are monetizing black death. You are a corporation. That Absolutely. just 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 voluntarily said, I want right. to tell this particular story, and they're even going to it in terms of the influence. A lot of people that's really just in this fantasizing with this Jeffrey Diamond shit is some of the yeah. same people that talk shit about the P Valley shit because it's too gay. 
Uh, P Valley, right. too gay, y'all, this, that, and the other. You you just sat through and powered through a whole documentary of a of a white man that is abusing eating gay. Yeah. It's a You eating you eating them, killing them, having sex with them. It's like what how can you have the same shit about this? But to me, it's just a whole bunch of tomfoolery to me that surrounds the whole Jeffrey Dahmer shit to me. Yeah. A lot of action going on in the comments. I almost can't even keep up, but y'all are having some solid like reflections and conversations. Miss Maisha, for example, said, I can't bring myself to watch Dahmer, but I find it interesting how many so how how so many cis head woke MS are talking about it, escaping over the fact that his victims were mainly gay black men. Um, I want to highlight that point because in talking about this, I want to, you know, interweave it with some interesting news about uh Dahmer. I'm getting there before we get there. One uh, thing I want to talk about, though, in relationship to this comment is, uh, you know, in relation to the fact that these are gay black men, is that there have a lot of been a lot of people protesting the LGBTQ tag on Netflix. So um, I think Netflix has removed it or they there might be plans to remove it. I need to check in on that. But a lot of people um, were like upset and have been upset and frustrated that this has been associated with like LGBTQ culture. Like that's not something they want to see or find when they look on their queue for LGBTQ movies or content. You know what I'm saying? And so um, I think it's very interesting in that same vein that, you know, a lot of his victims were gay black men and that was very traumatizing for this community. And so a lot of queer people are saying those are not things that we want to celebrate or valorize in the content, the, the content that's being introduced to us. Now I want to transition over into, uh, you know, other parts of the commentary that's been happening, like what's going on with Obusi Boo, right? The, uh, the Conscious Lee is going to release some content tomorrow to get into this a little bit more. So y'all make sure y'all be on the lookout for what he gets into when talking about Boosie. But the short version is that Boosie got online earlier and we don't have that clip. But like I said, y'all y'all don't catch the clip when Lee releases stuff. Boosie basically got on and was like, nah, man, we got to get that shit off the screen now. Like we can't, we got him on here killing black people. Of course, he didn't talk about the killing, the direct killing of gay, queer, black, I mean, gay people. He, he wasn't going to say that. He wasn't going to go that far. But he was like, we need to be protesting Netflix. We need to get this off the air. We don't need to be seeing or watching this type of imagery at all. So what is y'all's take? Because earlier it kind of alluded to the fact that we can see these representations as long as we're willing to pay the appropriate people for their trauma being re-narrated, reintroduced, rehashed out. Are y'all agreeing with that? Or are y'all agreeing with Boosie that we just need to get this shit out of here all together and that we don't need to have these types of things on the air? What what is y'all ultimate what is y'all's ultimate take on what Boosie said? See, I thought Boosie was ultimate take was as well. Y'all should pay them people for that. Y'all, y'all Netflix need to pay them people. I thought right. that was a part of his shit as well, a part of his little rant as well. What it? Let's see. I want we I'm gonna play the audio. Yeah, I thought that was a part of his I thought that was a part of his rants. Some about pain. I'm gonna play the audio. Uh but yeah. keep talking while I pull it up. What do you what do y'all think? What do you think, uh plug? But yeah, that's the, yeah, that's that's my ultimate one. It's like paying them, and then no matter even if you do pay them, the criticism of monetizing that go. go away. Let's listen. Let's listen to Boosie real quick. Oh, this is some sick shit. Oh, okay. This is funny. The this is some sick shit. What he did to our race. This is some sick shit. We need to boycott this damn movie off Netflix. This is sick. This is sick. The victim family should be getting paid off every dollar Netflix made. This is fucking sick. 
We need to ban this Jeffrey Dahmer movie. This is some sick shit. It's sick. End quote. Uh, from Terrence Hatch, Little Boosie. Um, so I, I mean, we agree with Boosie for once, or are we like he's kind of gassing it, and we should move on. Okay, Jeffrey Dahmer is is a sick motherfucker. What he did was sick, right? And and like it, the outrage about the fact like, after people watched it, did y'all not know who Jeffrey Dahmer was? Like this is we know Jeffrey Dahmer was the was was a cannibal. We know this, right? right? So when when the shit dropped. There should be no surprises. This is like being surprised about like slavery ending. Like, damn, that's how that shit happened. Like, no, motherfucker, we know like how it, like that's a, it's a it's a gross, it's a sick story. But yeah. what baffles me about Boosie is like, bro. First of all, you don't even fuck with gay people like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it's like I think that it's, I think it's lost on you that you are talking about what's sick about happened what what happened to these people, but yeah. like. The way that you talk about this particular group and like kind of incites this type of that, that type of violence. It makes that yeah, type yeah, of violence. That's the gotcha in it all. You know what I'm saying? And that's why I think the Miami boss was like his hypocrisy is super rich. Uh, but he's still correct about them getting removed, uh, about it about getting it removed. And I think that's fair. Like you, your your perspective. Your perspectives are what incite these types of the, this type of these types of reactions to queer folk, this type of violence. Like this is what feeds it, and now you outraged. But also, you can't even say gay, right? Like these are not even like it's just it's a weird, complex, uh, a, a type of an intuitive a dissonance that pe- that he's clearly experiencing. That is like interesting to see. And that's why I want. And that's why what's what's important to point out is that this proves that when 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 people talk about you know. The issue of gayness that black gay black people are still black people. So the circumstances of black people clearly still adhere to the circumstances of gay black people, right? But on the question of removal, it's like if you're gonna remove this, you gotta remove every story of every Jeffrey Dahmer movie. Yeah. Every like if if we say and remove this one, get rid of the Ted Bundy shit. Get rid of, you know, what I mean, whatever. Netflix got all time. Have seen you say what? I say, yeah, it should be definitely retroactive for sure. Yeah, I, I, but that's what I'm saying. But I don't think that. I, but that's the point, though. There is no call to remove every story of Jeffrey Dahmer. Exactly. They're just saying let's remove this one because storytelling has gotten so good that it that it, it's hitting in a way that's making us uncomfortable. But this story is actually like how many years old? Like I said, the story of Jeffrey Dahmer is a part of the story of America. And see, Lion Time, baby, this is where, I mean, and I've been seeing a lot of your comments and cracking up at them, by the way, too. No, I haven't watched this. But this is why I disagree, and this is why intersectionality is important. You're saying it has to do with being Black and being Black only, and I think that you just can't say that because these people occupy multiple positions. If all of his uh, victims were women, we would be talking about the fact that Black women were being targeted by a serial killer. So we're not going to do the don't say gay here. Like we, we have to be able to name and speak out and call out the intersections and the patterns that make this violence prolific. That black, that is not undermine blackness. That is not undermine the fact. What it does do is allow for us to explore why he wasn't going around and chasing around white gay men. 
why he wasn't hanging around white gay clubs, kind of trying to capture white men and bring it. There was a, a lot of different power dynamics that forced us to have bigger conversations about bigger shit. So uh, clearly we disagree and you called bullshit. I call bullshit back to you, back at, back to you. Okay. Hey, not only that, not only that. Me watching his last, the, the, the interview, like the whole entire testimony of the guy, the, the black dude that got away, he was straight. Mm -hmm. A big part of the questioning was about if he was homosexual or not, because they know that Jeffrey Dahmer was homosexual and he was looking for, you know what I'm saying, black gay men, you know what I'm saying, basically, you feel me? Mm -hmm. So, like, the saying it was about being black and black only is false. It's like, big. Jeffrey Dahmer and him being, like, to calculate who his victims was, I would argue that it was, he, he, he recognized the exposability of not only blackness, but queerness. He mm -hmm. going after black black men sex workers, lying to them, telling them I'm gonna pay you a hundred dollars for a picture. It's 1991. You in Wisconsin. You purposely you live in the hood. You live in a predominantly black area, and you just so happen to be going after the queer men. Come on now. It's, it's not it's not ironic. Well, queer erasure to me. <laughs> we've been sitting. Uh, and we're gonna jump to Miss My Asia's comment. A couple other comments, <laughs> a couple other comments over here. Fire trainer says artistically, that's a hard line to just remove things. We need to be able to tell these stories without making them too much of a spectacle or exploitative. And I think that's where we have to walk fine lines. But also, the onus is on the people who receive the media to not do the shit we're doing now, which is uh, take it and make a mockery of it, joke about it, create memes about it, instead of having meaningful conversations about how predators like this are in our communities every damn day. Some of the responsibility is on us as consumers of this media. Miss Maisha says, I'm noticing how when white media outlets speak on Dahmer, they do so with love and reverence for that monster. Very empathetic. And I think that's the slippery slope of humanizing these characters is that then you have media outlets, right? People who are supposed to be filters of the information, who have a responsibility for how we're being shared that shit, gassing and hyping up and adding fuel to this whole he's so attractive kind of fire and it gets weird now this conversation has been far drawn and we got a lot of other stuff to talk about so i'm gonna i'm gonna leave it in the hands of the plug the plug is gonna leave his last comment and then he will transition us into the next part of our conversation how about that that's cool okay. um, right, so, yeah you get the last one yeah, yeah that's what i'm about to say right now so listen I get how people feel about how white people are responding to Jeffrey Dahmer. We have to, like, that. it got to cut both ways, though. We can't be saying, oh, my God, they're showing reverence to this crazy motherfucker Jeffrey Dahmer. Mm. But then be like, ex-gangbanger that was legendary in the hood. Like, hey, let him out of, you know what I mean? Like, it, the, the logic got to cut both ways. You feel me? Like, we also revere our criminals. We speak about them in a loving way. In a, in a in a loving fashion, you know what I'm saying? Like we 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 look at what they do and the impact that they have on our neighborhoods, and we still like, damn. As long as we ain't one of their victims, we show them that same type of reverence. So I think that we got to remember that the society that we live that we live in, crime is a part of our culture, and criminals, period, get like get kind of that that type of reverence, you know, just based on their relationship to the culture. Speaking of, and I know I said I was going to turn it over to you, but I want to say this real quick, completely unrelated to this. We've talked about Jeffrey Dahmer. We're going to put a pin in that conversation. I want to really quickly talk to about the development in the PNB Rock case, because we're talking about crime. We're talking about criminals being revered. We're talking about cultures where we celebrate crime. And that's kind of what happened with the PNB Rock story. So if y'all haven't heard 
uh, PNB Rock, who was shot at a Roscoe's out here. A lot of speculation um, around social media about whether his post, his girlfriend's post is what allowed for people to come to that Roscoe's, take his life because of his jury and this, this and that. We've now found out that a father and son duo are responsible for that murder and that they're, the mama might be involved in it too. Uh, the father's still on the run. The 17-year-old son. They got, they got, they got caught in Vegas. They got caught in Vegas. The mama, yeah, the mama, I, I, the daddy got caught in Vegas before. before well, we I know the mama and the son were in custody. The father was still on the move. So are you sure the father has been taken into custody? Because I know they found the mother yeah, and the son. Right in Vegas. Father, father got caught when did in you Vegas. read that? Uh, before when we got caught. Okay, then yeah, that sounds that then that sounds about right. Because the last time I checked that in on it was like this afternoon, early afternoon. So, families, fathers and sons, a culture of of crime and of celebrating, you know, this type of behavior. Being a nigga that spots somebody to make it like it's weird. The the decisions that we are starting to make between ourselves, uh, for ourselves, and now we see that it's turning into a family business. It's probably not new, but it's just sad to see. So, uh, happy that at least the killers were found. I'm happy that we can kind of put a pin in that story and happy that the baby mama was or the, the mother of PNB Rock's children was vindicated because a lot of hate came to that woman that she Ooh. did not deserve. So uh, I'll put a pin on my uh, 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 vibe check. And now, I, honestly, I'm going to turn it over to the club. Oh, no, we're we getting into uh, the, the conscious shop next. There it is. Yeah. Let's go, Lee. So getting into this conscious shop, you know, we have a lot of trivializing of the word woke. Um, you know, we know that the word woke started in the black community about, you know, political consciousness, about people being aware. And we know that by the time it's made it to white people, it's become a negative thing about always already talking about respectability politics. Uh, there was a video that we came across or that I came across. Uh, I thought we ought to maybe seen it. But um, Kenya Barris, the uh, producer, writer of Blackish, Grownish and a whole bunch of other TV shows. Mixed this. Girlfriend. Uh, 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 girlfriends, um, uh, coming to America too, um, uh, uh, a whole bunch of different stuff. You know what I'm saying? Uh, talk talked about is openness ruining creativity. Uh, Damo, do we have the clip? We got it. And I wonder yeah, sometimes is wokeness ruining creativity in yeah, Hollywood? One hundred percent. One hundred percent. I loved, loved, loved the book Underground Railroad. Mm -hmm. Barry Jenkins is my boy. I think he's a genius. I think that for some people, it came off like trauma porn. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Some people weren't really looking. I think he did a beautiful job. You know what I'm saying? But I think that the woke police, especially the ones that are on the internet, you know what I'm saying? Like 10 people can sound like 10,000. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And mm -hmm. it takes away the opportunity to sort of like let us grow. And I feel like we have to grow. We have to do different stuff. We have to sort of get opportunities to do things differently. And I feel like, and we also have to work together. We're so much stronger. We're finally in the place now where I can call and be like, and be sure, let's, let's do this. And we don't have to ask permission. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Between the three of us, we can just go do it and, and decide where we want to go. Mm -hmm. That's never in history been where we're at. Why are we not doing that more? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Why are we not taking that power and just going and doing our thing instead? We used to have to ask permission. We, these are conversations. These are calls. You know what I'm saying? So. We heard it here first. Wokeness is is was tearing us up. It's drawing us out. It's tearing us up. So uh before I even ask the 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 the, the question that Charlemagne posed, my first question is can we separate black people from the concept of wokeness or are we always already tied to it? I think we are always already tied to it because we have a standard of cultural competency. 
Um, and we kind of move about with that. And I think we're being less shy about it. So because we're being less bashful about holding people accountable, about being ignorant, about doing ignorant shit, right? There's been a term coined to explain that dynamic. And then now I think it's going to follow us and chase us wherever we go, whenever we have some type of commentary or something to contribute about how common sense shit should be, right? Yeah. Like people wearing their hair the way that it grows out of their head. Oh, you're so woke. Oh, you like, yeah, because I want to be able to like simple shit, right? So I think that it's an inextricably linked relationship. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, it's so inextricably linked that it, the term itself suffers from the same consequences that everything else that black people produce. And that is hyper commodification to the point where the meaning in the term and how it's displayed and how it was used in popular culture is detached from how it was created. But mm-hmm. that term is a black term, period. period. Like you don't, there, there's no way around. It's like bling bling. Mm-hmm. White people didn't come up with that shit. You know what I'm saying? So but just like everything else, they still use it in ways that kind of take away from, you know, what made it significant. And so with woke specifically, it's, it's one of them things where, like, for example, you got because uh, Kenya Bear is talking about the woke police. But if you look politically, Republicans are the woke police. Come on. Republic, Republicans are the one who like, are the ones who are, hey, nah, like the, these concepts, like we're going to call this woke and we're going to criminalize it. Like what Ryan DeSantis does with woke math. Woke math. Come on, yeah. like stop right. woke it is. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and so and so it's like when we say it, when we say it it's linked to black people, that, that link can't be denied because again, that's us contributing to the uh, popular culture as a whole. But in terms of how it's deployed and its meaning, ain't got shit to do with how we use it to understand that, that we are displaying consciousness. You're exactly. displaying a, a level that you're seeing above, like how we're normalized to see shit. You know what I'm saying? So that that's the the conundrum of the hyper commodification of black culture. Hey, and I think that's the weird thing. I think that I just come come to thinking about it now from watching the clip again. It's like recognizing that you can't really separate wokeness from blackness. Like those two things are inextricably tied together. And then the end of the video, Kenya acknowledges that this is the first time in Hollywood history that black people have the power to do whatever we want to do. Mm-hmm. He, he's done that by while simultaneously evoking the woke police and saying that criticisms about trauma porn uniquely damn there are bad. The second question that I really want for us to be in terms of the discussion. So mm-hmm. is wokeness ruining creativity in Hollywood, yes or no? Can you give us examples to, you know what I'm saying, suffice you talking about? Play, what you think? Um, I think what it's I think what it's doing is actually putting people in a position to be better. Because when it's executed properly, there is no woke police. You want to know why, even though people tried to create an outrage about Robert Downey Jr. dressing up in blackface and Tropic Thunder? Why it never became outrage? Because mm-hmm. he executed that shit. Yeah, it was successful. It was successful. The purpose of the, like even though like if you're a fin, that's the point, right? Like they like he's he's literally calling out like the ways in which people adopt these perspectives, these understandings, in an attempt to uh, to to what to to do what they call acting, right? So it it it, it demands that it be executed properly. 
You feel me? It ain't no more lazy nigga jokes or lazy yeah, black jokes. Yeah. You just white people, do this. Black people do that. Like, right, like, like Chris Rock nigga versus black person joke was lazy. Yeah. Period. You can't do that no more. You got to have a more nuanced, you know, poke fun at black people in order for niggas to be like, do, in order for niggas to not be like, do better. And I think that, and the last part I'll say about this, and in, in, before I pass it to you, Toy, is this, and this is where I think. This is where I think we uh where where Dave Chappelle kind of ran into some issues, right? Because it was a question of execution. Absolutely. Dave Chappelle has been known to make the types of jokes that 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 kind of get under people's skin. Reparation, black white supremacists, uh uh I know the I know black people game show. All of these things were made to poke fun at racism, right? But it was executed. It was smart. Perfectly. When the, the trans jokes oh, bar, they, they, they was they was kind of lazy. You feel me? They 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 wasn't executed in a way to where it was like, oh, that's smart. I may disagree about like the framing, and I may feel away about the the stereotype that's being deployed, but the the execution, the punchline is smart. You feel me? Yeah. And and niggas like Kenya Barris is like blackish ain't enough, bro. Just calling your shit black as fuck ain't enough, bro. It got. It has to be better. And to me, that's the. And to me, I think when I'm hearing him say his criticism about, yes, most definitely, it's like it sounds like you don't want to be criticized as a black man by your own people based off of how we how we do your shit. Because I feel like at a certain point in time when you watching Blackish, as for the super record, I like Blackish. I watched it, but at a certain point in the show, I recognize. The show was made for the centering of white entertainment and white consumption and not for black people. It was to explain and make intelligible or make intelligible the black, the blackish experience for white people. You feel mm-hmm. me? And even a lot of the things that it was trying to hit home, it became clear that it was like, okay, that was a little jewel you dropped for the white folks. That was, a, you know what I'm saying? It was like, okay, this show is made for the consumption entertainment of white people because you want your show to, okay, I get it. You feel what I'm saying? So, what are we doing here, Kenya? Yeah. I, before I comment, I want to make sure I shout out uh, some 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 long lost family members that have made their way back home. Ethereum. Dan in the comments, Ethereum in the comments, Nico in the comments. Shout out to all y'all for for showing up reunion. You know, it was great to see y'all. Um, I definitely, you know, I think Dominique. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I called you by your real name because you're playing games. Um, I, I know y'all heard that phone in the background. I'm not playing no more. I'm sick of the shit. Um, but in terms of well, the question was, does wokeness come at the expense of creativity? Yeah, is that was that the, basically the question? Yes. I, you know, I, I think you can have both, but I think, and I think Fire Trainer ninety two had kind of talked about this. Is that it's just it's hard. You know what I'm saying? Like e- inclusiveness is hard. True equity is hard inclusiveness is a difficult thing and that I kind of like it because anybody and everybody especially in the era of social media gets to be a comedian everybody gets to be an entertainer everybody gets to have as long as you got a platform and you got viewers you get to be seen as a legitimate contribution to the culture or to the direction of things and I think there is just a higher penchant for you to be able to say that you about that shit and so I think that creativity is not lost but I think the people who will be deemed as good 
as successful at their craft as people who to be paying attention to who's up next. They're going to be the ones who are able to navigate that more effectively. So it depends on whose bag you want. If you're willing to get the low-hanging fruit and you just want the quick, you know what I'm saying, kind of cringy laugh or the cringy content or, you know what I'm saying, the stuff that people are willing to go get it. But as time moves forward, less of that money is going to be available. More people are critically and socially conscious and now more people you know, are they want to be in conversations with people where they sound like they are hip and, you know, moving in the right direction and who are woke, right? They don't want to seem like they are archaic in how they understand the world around them. So there's just a lot of incentive for people to want to find, take in and participate in better creativity, which means being more inclusive and being good at it. I, I, I think, though, again, where we missed the point is that sometimes, like, some Sometimes, like the, that, that sting that you feel mean that it was like it, it, it came across the way that it needed to, right? Mm. But that's why I say it is about execution because, in order for that, like where we see the most creativity is being able to take something difficult to, to discuss. And we got to remember the reason why 90s jokes was full of like jokes about race because niggas could finally make those types of jokes not under the threat of actually being killed. Right. Wait, yeah. no longer we gotta we don't we don't gotta kind of like peep around no more. We can say white folk, white folk, yeah. We couldn't say white folk like that in the seventies and eighties. That shit wasn't that was We could just sit, sit up and talk about white people all day. That wasn't a thing, right? Right. And so now, like in the nineties, they could say, "Man, black people do this and white people do this," and we could laugh at it because we was there. There was a transition. You know what I'm saying in our society. So I want to turn uh, over to y'all to get into some of these comments because there's definitely some stuff rolling over here. Yeah. No, yeah, my fear is that uh, she said my fear is that inclusiveness morphs into assimil- assimilation, um, like post civil rights. Um, Lee, <laughs> um, I would, I would, I would, I would say that that's a legitimate fear. Not only is it a legitimate fear, I believe that's what Kenya Barris and Charlemagne, the guy, was already kind of tiptoeing their way to. Because after a certain point, we recognized the post-civil rights movements led to just like we have to be accepted and integrate any damn thing, even if it's bad and we shouldn't question it because we have to be accepted to anything. You feel me? I feel like a lot of what Kenya Barris and Charlemagne the God was coming to is like I feel like that was speaking from their elite positions of being a part of entertainment and then being able to say, damn niggas, we didn't fought so hard to finally get access. Y'all should take whatever product we give to y'all and not criticize it. That's how I took it. I mean, I think the same criticism I have of politics, though, is the same thing I have about art and media and content. And it's that if you want to get to the upper echelons of it, they're going to have to be some compromising. There's going to have to be some shit you can't be overly woke about. It's going to be some shit in the cutting room that's not going to lead a cutting room and make it to whatever screen, the big one or the small one, if you attempt to be overly conscious about this. Because they're going to be like, well, white people aren't ready for that conversation. Or that could be a little bit abrasive. Or that could be seen as this. Ugly truths are ugly truths. And so I feel like, you know, a lot of people who create content, create media, media, like that are trying to come up, that are trying to be those black producers or those black leads that are getting those roles, have to decide. Do you love your craft for the sake of loving your craft? Because you're going to be in more low-budget shit. You're not going to have as many opportunities. You're not going to get the platforms. You're not going to get the opportunities. Or are you in love with what comes with the craft? And not only are you passionate about acting or about singing or about doing whatever you do, but you want to live in a nice house and you want to rub these types of shoulders and you want to be on Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon. If you want those things, then automatically some of that woke shit you're going to have to kind of navigate, right? And it's going to have to come at the expense of some of your creativity because they don't want that. Right, that's always gonna be the final filter. Until I follow a question, though. I follow a question, both of y'all said what you just said, though. But 
acknowledging that and acknowledging that everything you said pretty much hey, is it is what it is. Well, what does it mean for Charlemagne the guy and Kenya Barris, two people that has black influence and influence in the black community, evoke the concept of the woke police? Yeah, and see, this right. is this is the issue. The, like, this is the woke police to me is like that. That like that, that creates impacts for niggas like us because we don't be seen as the woke police. So it's like to me, what does it mean to legitimize that concept? I mean, what it, and this this is this is where we kind of struggle with certain niggas with money and certain niggas with influence, right? The whole like th- th- that is a conservative concept. Woke police. That is a white male, a white male conservative talking point. There mm. are no woke police. There are just more people who are willing to not or who are unwilling to accept. What what has been accepted in the past. So the fact that they would even deploy that language, it shows you that there's there's a detachment. And and with Kenya Barris, you can see that detachment in his art, in blackish. I think I think a lot of people, a lot of black people specifically, was put yeah, off by the term blackish. Yeah, that that's why I never got into it. I was like, I don't feel like that's for me. Yeah. Right. And then and then and then even like how you were saying, George, there was a sense of there was a sense of like for example, the episode that actually made me stop watching Blackish was that Dre was trying to get his kids to understand the importance of his upbringing and his past. But the 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 like I guess you would say the moral of the episode was that no 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 you're in a better place in your life you need to let those things go. Mm-hmm. Fuck no. Right. The fuck I, mean, I don't give a, I don't care what suburb we in. Like Huey, we got to hop on this plane. We going to you you gonna see you know what I'm saying like how we got here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, because I think they was poking. They he wanted. Uh, he had. They had on like dashikis and shit in the back, in 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 they in uh in his backyard, and he was trying to get him to you know like do all type of just weird stereotypical Pan African shit. And it was like, bro, like you, you, it's like you you bastardizing like a real desire that people in the suburb have to make sure that their family is attached to certain key black shit because in the suburbs you don't get that. Yeah. So to me, it was already a detachment and, and somebody like Kenya Barris's understanding of what it means to display blackness on television, right? And so I, I feel like with that nigga specifically, him and Charlemagne having that conversation, I, I really don't yeah. expect anything less. Like, I'm not surprised that it came from two niggas like that. See, I, I mean, hold Charlemagne to high, high level in 2022. I expect the no, yeah. Charlemagne in 2022. And that's what you fuck up. Yeah, that's what you fuck up. Yeah, no, because the, the last thing, the last thing I say is black as fuck was corny as fuck. Like it was corny as hell. Like mm-hmm. it just black as fuck did not. It didn't feel black as fuck. It was just a nigga with money acting hey, like mean, a nigga. The last question, then, for you, for you, I can tell you, I can tell you, starting to add, starting to edge out. Hey, this last question, then, is it hypocritical for Kenya Barris, a progressive producer, writer, to? Talk shit about being woke. I don't. I think it's confusing because, like, it seems very counterintuitive to what you're actually doing and what you're producing. And I think that is where it becomes very dangerous. I think because it gives conflicting messages for people who are taking in your media, for people who maybe are trying to find themselves, to find representation, to find a voice in media. Right? It would. It would seem like 
that is, those are progressive gestures that they're doing to try to be better. But if you don't want to own up to that title, can't nobody make you. But it also makes it very dangerous for you to be trying to put out this content that becomes a compass or a guide for what black culture looks like for black people who are trying to get aligned with it or for white people who are trying to learn better, better about it. So you're very dangerous. I think there's a lot yeah. of insidiousness at that. Kenya Barris is not progressive, bro. I think I think at one point diversity was 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 a was a progressive thing because me and George was going back and forth about this and I and at first I was like okay I think he got me diversity is is I don't think diversity is progressive anymore I don't think inclusion not. is not progressive anymore because the 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 issue becomes what is that present significant what does it mean to have a black show if it's not if, if it's blackish. You know what I'm saying? Like, what it to me, what, what, what that's doing, what Kenya Barris represents is more of that moderate understanding of what like being included means assimilating. Assimilation is not progressive at all. Displaying like a suburban family and all that, that's not progressive at all. Actually, st- statistics show. A nigga like Dre is more likely to vote conservative. <laughs> you, <feel me? laughs> you know what I'm saying? Than anything else. So it's like I feel like this is all like, true. This, this is all. This, <laughs> I ain't got no, I ain't got a rebuttal right now. I now thinking about rebuttals. So give me time. Yeah, well, one yeah. of the, one of the things as we talk about this that I think about in terms of is Kenya Burris progressive or should he be seen as progressive? And I think when I think about this, I, and we were talking about it earlier, and it makes me think about hip hop artists like rappers, right? Like they don't want to be like cultural ambassadors. They don't want to be role models, right? A lot of hip hop artists have come out and been like, I don't want to be the framework or the index for what this shit looks like or how you should be or what you should be doing. I just want to be a nigga up here telling stories. I just want the chance to have a platform to do some black shit, to in my black ass body, come up and be a part of a culture and be a product. And if people rock with my shit, they rock with my shit. And I think the same thing is true for Kenya Burris. I don't think that he has an agenda of progressiveness. I don't think has he has an agenda of wokeness. He's not trying to be the compass or the framework or the index for what it looks like for progressive blackness. He just want to do some black shit. He just want to be in, you know what I'm saying? I think in a, in the scene as contextually a person who produces black media. And so to, to have that expectation or that standard on him to be progressive, I think, is our fault. You know what I'm saying? Because we never asked him. You know what I'm saying? The same way these rappers, I mean, and, and that, the, the second part of this is that, you know, you don't ask for these titles. You don't ask to be progressive, but when you have power, to whom much is given, much is it required. Right? The same thing right. we look at rappers and say, you don't ask to be a role model, my nigga, but you in the front seat. You in all the cameras. You in all the pictures. You in all the videos. So you do have responsibility for, um, you know, that level of how you engage with your audience. And so it's, it's weird, but when I look at this question of whether or not he's progressive, I think we got to ask him. Because I don't think that's what he's trying to do or be. Hey, and you know what? Can I and I and I want to answer, I want to answer um Charlemagne's question, if you don't mind, George. Uh, like, I guess that, to the last part. Um, and is is wokeness ruining creativity in Hollywood? Yeah, oh yeah, because we got another part of the conversation to talk about too. Yeah, yeah, but it, I'm only just gonna stick to the two though. This is we're just gonna get to two. Um, but yeah, it, it's not no, ruining the creativity. Uh, mm-hmm. this part, yeah. Yeah. It's not ruining creativity in Hollywood, but it's ruining Hollywood for the better. Hollywood is not creative. Let's be let's be real here. The <laughs> issue that we have with Hollywood is that they make the same fucking stories over and over again. Over and again. Yeah. Especially when it comes to black people. I'm tired of slave movies. 
It's not that it's, it's not that it's like oh, well, that people felt like it was trauma porn. We've had enough. <laughs> like, and, 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 and what's even what's even more frustrating is that it takes somebody like uh, what's what's the white man name that did Django? Quentin Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, Quentin Tarantino. It take a white man like Quentin Tarantino to show, to, to flip the lid on how we even to, to conceptualize what a slave movie is, right? Yeah, we still like we we still going and seeing Twelve Years a Slave. We still going and seeing all this other shit. So for me, I think the the reality is Hollywood isn't creative. They tell the same stories, and and they only put out what makes motherfuckers comfortable. They don't put out the shit that tra- they don't put out shit that kind of shake up people mentally, spiritually. I think because you saw my other my five from my other talk over Chicago, I think I just want to debate you on here and say semantics. I, I disagree with you. I disagree with you because wokeness is exposing the lack of creativity in, in, in Hollywood and it's not ruining the creativity of Hollywood. Just but know. it was already exposed, bro. Robert Townsend made the movie uh Hollywood Shuffle in the what 80s. Mm-hmm. Niggas, 2020. It didn't take the. It, we wouldn't. We weren't even using woke when Robert Townsend was pointing out, "Hey, they fucking us in Hollywood." Uh, I have no idea what you even referenced, so you went over my head. So we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. Go ahead. You just threw me over on my uh, constant well, shot. But it's cool. For the sake of the thumbnail, I do want to make sure we talk about this whole notion of wokeness and Viola Davis, and not only Viola Davis and what's been happening with uh, the Woman King, but also. Uh, what we're looking at replicating or the conversation we're looking at replicating when uh, uh, um, Wakanda, what is it called? Black Panther 2 comes out. Black Panther, yeah. Right? So in this whole, in the fold of this whole wokeness conversation, first of all, have I saw Woman King this past weekend. I don't know how many of y'all in the chat saw Woman King, but if you saw it, I want y'all to tap in. Let me know whether you've seen it or not uh, up to this point. Have y'all seen it? Uh, Lee and Plug? I haven't. Okay. I don't plan on it. I mean, you don't plan on it. <laughs> Is there a reason you don't plan on seeing the Woman King outside of you just being you? Yeah, I don't watch movies like that. Okay, got it. We just, I just, I didn't know if there was a reason or if you were just being the plug. But sure. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm being me. Yeah, he's being yeah, he ain't, yeah. No, he ain't, yeah. For me, I, I plan on watching it, but I haven't watched it yet. Okay. Um. So I liked it, even though after, and I, I, I like the fact that I got to watch it first. Lion time, baby. Slow down. Good. Really, really, slow down. Slow down. Bring it back in. Just bring it back in a little bit. Um, I um, watched it, and I'm glad that I got to watch it before I read all the criticisms of it. I feel like I ruin and spoil my perspective on things, and sometimes I get turned off of shit because I read everybody else's think pieces about it and be like, man, I don't want to go see that shit for myself, and then I just don't go see it. But I'm glad I saw it first and then was able to be reflective about my experience later on because I thought it was cool. Um, I thought it was a good movie. I walked away feeling good, rated it a like a nine out of ten. You know what I'm saying? Like really feeling good about things. And then I came across this thread on Twitter. Uh Marius Coulter says, I really wanted to like the Woman King, but its representation of African women's history is utterly disappointing. The depiction, the depiction of the uh, uh, Agoji as the singular exception in a culture where all other women were oppressed and agency list doesn't make sense and is also untrue. She continues by saying the Agoji did not exist in a cultural or historical vacuum. For a film that supposedly centers African women's agency, The Woman King fails to grasp the nuance of gender and power in the Dahomey and other African societies. They absolutely could have done better. Two more tweets from this thread, and then I want to turn it over to y'all. Anna Paula uh, follows up and says, I think we need to steer clear 
of expecting historical accuracy from movies meant for entertainment. Documentaries and textbooks are better for that. Then the last person follows up and says, uh, and this is menace to anxiety, uh, follows up and says, where's the line though? I feel like this argument wouldn't work if we replaced Dahomey with, say, the Confederate Army. If a film with the biggest budget, actors and team told an entertaining story where the Confederate Army were hero breakers of slave chains, we'd be living. Right. So I, I am interested in kind of your perspective of Whew, that's a good really, which is I, I want to ask this question. Do you need do you all think we need to steer queer? Sorry, steer clear. Shout out to my queers. Do you all think we need to steer <laughs> clear of expecting historical accuracy from movies meant for entertainment? Uh, do you yeah. think the documentaries and textbooks are better for that? Or do you think the movies and the entertainment we take in, i.e., uh, Woman King, i.e., uh, Black Panther that has various representations of uh, African culture and different African accents. They were criticized because the accents weren't consistent and all this and all that. Do you think we should be looking to these movies for that or that, or do you think we should be entertained by these things? That's my first question. Answer that and then I'll follow up. Shit, to me, I feel like you got to create that line. I think that we got to figure out, have a conversation on where we're going to draw the line because we are coming to this conversation as uh, academics and philosophers, being able to create the distinctions between documentaries and movies. Um, a lot of the common folk that we try to, you know, educate on an everyday basis or be in the classrooms, they don't see a lot of those rigid lines between documentaries and movies. You see what I'm saying? So for yeah. me, really thinking about a lot of the tall tales, a lot of the... Uh, uh, social norms, a lot of the uh, uh, common understandings, how they derive from movies and how movies that are based on true stories, how many people don't know, you feel me, how Hollywood play with the stories. So I've been going to that last tweet. It's like, what would it mean for Hollywood to play with the Confederacy story and valorize it? And a blink in the building. Just for the sake of entertainment. You see what I'm saying? And I feel like that's going back to the last conversation we just had. In many different instances, I would argue that Netflix didn't really have no noble idea at all behind making this shit. This shit was for entertainment, being able to capture the attention of us, to keep the, keep us on a streaming app, to give them some, you know what I'm saying, some money. You feel what I'm saying? So for me, it's just like having that conversation. I know it's going to be difficult. I know it's going to be hard. We're going to disagree, but let's go and have a conversation on what we're going to try to line that, because a line needs to be had, goddamn. Okay, because I gotta uh, plug. I'm gonna let you go, and then I gotta I gotta follow up on this because y'all are saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I want you to. Yeah, I want you to. Because um, this this is my thing. Like when it comes to like what I what I engage with in popular culture. Like for example, um, I don't I don't watch interviews. Like I don't I don't watch like when J Cole. I, yeah, I know that's that's my nigga. I I don't watch J Cole interviews. Because I don't really care, like him as a person, like I fuck with, like just because it's art. But like, I don't really care about all that. Okay, listen to the album. Listen <laughs> to the album, like because the distinction is the art and the individual. The individual is it's, it's a person, it's a human. I can have fought with them, whatever. The art is the art. You know what I'm saying? And so I think that what we gotta recognize is that that distinction is extremely important because. They're not making a movie to entertain or to to inform you as much as the movie is to entertain you. So if yeah. you can get some good source material and make it entertaining, more entertaining and, than it was from what it was, that's the point of a dramatization. Right? It's supposed to be something that's that's more focused on entertaining as opposed to educating. And but that's, I that's, think what happened, the, the last part I say is because the second part to that is oh, if you notice something. If you know that something is is historical, 
the onus is on you to then go back and inform yourself on what actually took place. I do that with everything. Like if I, I, if 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 there is something that's like, oh, ever since Pocahontas, ever since I seen the movie Pocahontas, I don't trust shit. You know what I mean? Once mm-hmm. I found out that she didn't even end up with John Smith, and <laughs> she ended up with a white man named John Locke, and John Smith was on some other shit anyway. He wasn't a valiant. Then it she was, was like, oh. yeah, at, at, at that age, I was like, oh, okay, yeah. movie, real life, movie person based off of real life, ain't shit to do with real life. Got it. That distinction I mean, was created for me ever since then. So, okay, Nico brings up an important or an interesting statement. If you want to get knowledge, go see it out, not be lazy and watch a film. And so I think that that kind of puts the onus on people who take in entertainment, right? Like, I think that kind of plug what you were getting at and what I see with Nico's comment is like, yeah, we can understand that things are based in history or on history, but you need to have, like, just be prepared to go to the movies and be misled. Like, instead, walk away. I'll tell you how they used to tell me in church. Don't take my word for it. You're going to read the Bible by yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to give you a sermon. I'm going to preach to you a little bit, but you don't have to believe me. You go read it. You go do your own research. That is how you walk away, kind of having walked away with what you need to have from that introduction to what the word might say or introduction into what the history books might say. Yeah, I agree with y'all saying. I agree with y'all saying. I agree with y'all saying. I just don't have that much faith that people are going to be able to want to do that work and or go in consciously like, I know I'm going to be misled for this movie because these Hollywood writers going to write for entertainment, not for accuracy. So I know that. And a lot of people listen. I like these comments. Vance says the fact that the Dahomey were actually raiding other African tribes, suppress, suppress, suppressing them, and supplied them up with up to twenty percent of the total amount of slaves in the transatlantic slave trade. We can't just ignore that for entertainment's sake. And that's what I one of the things I didn't appreciate about the movie. But you, the movie was two and a half hours long, so I wanted them to get into some of you know the role that Africans play in the transatlantic slave trade. I wanted them to get in more into how they were part of the commerce. Like there were literally deals being made with colonizers coming from England, coming from there. And they were sitting up there and bartering and making it. And it's just like, I'm watching it. Part of me is like, dang, okay. The, the script, they making deals. This is but the other side of this is black people looked at as cargo. They're people that they are, you know, negotiating and making deals about. And then also, they humanize colonizers in this movie. You know what I'm saying? So I was like uncomfortable. Like, I don't give a shit about, of course they had to create a love interest. I was very happy that when it's all said and done, I don't want to give away too many teasers that the love interest was like some flirting shit, some like, but it was definitely between a colonizer. He was mixed. He said his mother was the homie. His father was, uh, I guess, English, Spanish. Yeah. And then he comes back and you know, whatever. And so there's a love story alert. there. And I, I mean, like, so, but I hated that that had to be a part of it. Cause like, who gives a shit? You know what I'm saying? But for the sake of cinematics, I knew that I shouldn't be distracted by that. And instead I should walk away knowing that there were African women warriors who did some cool shit that we just didn't know a whole lot about. And that I should probably go read up on them and see, you know, some of the facts, but I never walked away. Like, oh, I have the full, you know, story of what happened with the Agoji people. So like, And I guess I want to ask this question because it's entertainment and in other areas of entertainment and other forms of uh, like, for example, music, we allow samples. We allow for you to take the, 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 the general baseline, the general framework. And then from there, what you do with that shit is what you do with that shit. So do we not, is it dangerous to have that same standard for film and why? 
Like, why do we not yeah, give yeah. people the same poetic license to go and take something and adapt it in ways that they feel like is, is relevant and necessary? I feel like the danger is you really don't. You know what I'm saying? We got niggas right now being charged with Rico's because it's shit they said in the rap book and the rap song. And two, I know we had chop up conversations about uniquely music being slave catcher music. You know what I'm saying? Or we talk uniquely about how the impacts of hip hop music has on, you feel me, social death and how we value each other's lives, how mm -hmm. we spin the block and how shit Damo just got done making the point about, hey, we can't get mad at them, how they do Jeffrey Dahmer and we do this thing and the other. A lot of that is done by entertainment. You know what I'm saying? A lot of that is done by movies and rap music and music videos. You know what I'm saying? So it's like shit, you know. I want to give again an example I have of this that's really interesting. I also just want to plug this because I plan on watching it. Is Mickey Mouse the Mickey Mouse law? Who I I forget, but it's basically a law that allows for you to like retain your poetic license or access to whatever art you make. Um, and I think this might just be for animation, but it might go in the other. Only applied Mickey Mouse though. Me know what I think I know. I don't know. I don't know because. I, I don't know. Either way it goes. Here's what's interesting to me, right? So they've been able to box people out of using the Mickey Mouse character through this law, but one character who has not existed up under this and most recently is being readapted is Winnie the Pooh. I don't know if y'all seen it on Twitter, but it's a whole Winnie the Pooh horror movie coming yeah. out. Like, it's literally Winnie about to be on some horror. See, I read how, they did that, though. How, they, how they did that, though, was Disney didn't own Winnie the Pooh because technically Disney was remaking somebody else's story, and as long as this thing right here doesn't introduce Tigger. Mm -hmm. Tigger is a character uniquely made by Disney. So the Mickey Mouse law has to do with there was a law that was about, you know what I'm saying, fair usage. They said after a certain amount of time, we anybody's able to use this particular thing. Well, yeah. Disney was able to, you know what I'm saying, lobby and spend a whole bunch of money, they say, in the 90s. Or I think it was in the 90s, it's what will come up in four years, but they got a law to make it where we get to protect our entity because we still use this. Yeah. And now you feel me, people are worried that this little Winnie the Pooh shit has caused like a little gray area in the law because of X, Y, and Z. But when you do your little shit on this, like, nah, y'all don't really own this. But the hypocrisy of the Disney Mickey Mouse Mickey Mouse law is that what Disney created a law to protect their brand is their entire brand is built off of stealing up people shit. Yeah, no story they tell is originally there. Yeah, they always they're trying to make sure nobody can do that to them. That's wild. When I ain't yeah. finna even say this coming out loud, but Ethereal Beauty in the comments cutting up and been dropping some wow. fire comments too. I've been kind of reading through and kind of trying to keep up with the thread. I'm just glad you're back in the mix, definitely. Um, I Tigger want the to Nick. what? What? Whoa. <laughs> Interesting business cutting up in the chat. Um, but what I want to do is talk about Nico's comment real quick, and I want to round out what I'm saying. I think talking about Nico. And what Nico says, Nico says, this is not a popular opinion, but I think we as a people should stop, nit stop nitpicking one another. And this is where I get to kind of looking at Black Panther 2 and Black Panther 1, right? We know that Wakanda is a fictional place. It's not real, but it is an amalgamation of different representations of African culture, right? And there's a clear connection to the continent. It's not like Wakanda is on another planet. They say that these are, you know, descendants of Africa. And then we also see with uh, the uh, uh, woman king, that there are historical inaccuracies and issues. People have problems with their accents, with the misrepresentation of storytelling, all of that. So my question is, should we be, because everybody's like, I don't want no more slave movies. I'm sick of watching the same narration. I'm sick of watching the same str struggle and strife in this, like that and the other. Is it not good or better that we're making new stories, that we're telling new stories, that we're shedding new light on black experiences, that we're kind of mixing up the content? 
or would you all rather have the historical accuracy of slave stories and stories about uh i think we got a a, a, a uh what's the young man uh, uh tiller uh, uh emma till uh movie coming out like do y'all want more of that type of imagery or do we want the creativity and the non-typical stories that could be inaccurate but are still better than all that, baby. All of that. Yeah, no. I think the reality is people gonna people gonna make what the fuck they want to make, and the people that like it gonna like it, and the people that's not gonna like it not gonna like it. Like it really, there like there's no real threshold, but by how much somebody because if it's good, it's good. If it's bad, it's bad. At the end of the day, you know what I mean. And like you know, a lot of people, uh, even with a lot of the criticism, like you said, it was like. Woman King is actually cool, right? Like, mm-hmm. I get the criticism, but it's actually cool. You feel right. me? The movie, like, the, the story in and of itself is a cool story. There's some historical implications that were ignored, which is problematic, but at the end of the day, it's a cool story. I think what Black people have had to do is really kind of be able to parse through certain things when it comes to entertainment, because if we wanted to, we could tear down every fucking thing that come out mm-hmm. based on, like, how stories are told. So I think... I think that you know outrage is is always going to exist, but it it's it's the good thing about it. Like it's is if you mad about something and you want to write, and it's people that that, that you know what I'm saying you don't want to feel like you mad about it by yourself. You, I guarantee you, you're not mad about it by yourself, and that's that's a good. And, and how I think about it is, we need a combination of all the things. But what I would say to that question specifically is, I don't, I don't, I don't, I think that this this critic this sentiment is more popular than I feel like the person that left the comment realized. But I hate the criticism, the idea that we shouldn't be in, uh, nitpicking with each other, or the idea of infighting and all that. To me, it usually comes at the expense of other people in our community that we always already agreed was exposable and disposable. So to me, it's like shit. Just like I felt with Kenya Berry, it's just like, hey, fam, peep game. White folks criticize each other too, my nigga. They nitpick each other as well. You feel me? A lot of the mm-hmm. conflicts that we get our black asses in is really conflicts amongst white people. So the idea that because black people fight with each other or we disagree on these things, so we have conflicts, the reason why we can't get in, can't, can't get ahead, I think it's a very pathological understanding of humans, and it comes with anti-black sentiments. You feel me? Like I see somebody in the quotes, somebody in the comments, and I know it was, it was a joke, but it's like my sign. My sign said we fought each other even in even even in Black Panther, we fought each other. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Comedy fought each other. It's like, listen, man. In terms of proximity, in terms of human conflict, I happen to have a master's degree in human relations. We're going to have conflict. We're going to have. Conflict. You know what I'm saying? So this little utopia people be having, or this idea that says that in order for Black people to come up, we cannot criticize each other we can't have systems of accountability or responsibility i can't call you out for being fat phobic or texturist or colorist or to me that's wild and to me most of the times people start talking about nitpicking or start talking about infighting or start talking about black folks getting away with each other it's literally like man you trying to divide and conquer and it's like the the same shit that 21 19 20 year old george used to say when I was doing college debate, when black women came to me talking about the shit that black men do, I would say, man, you trying to divide and conquer, baby. You have to hear it. Because it comes at the expense, like 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 what you were saying, well, the important part that can't be missed is that calling into question, nitpicking, comes at the expense of a traditionally discarded, ignored, traditionally oppressed group speaking out against that traditional oppression like nah y'all can't be yes the fuck we can bro like, like that that's that's valid 
it's relevant. And even though there are other things that should be discussed right now, like this is a criticism that is relevant. Do I enjoy the movie? Respect the criticism, though. Yeah, I think you know we are sorry. Plug, what we about to say? Respect. Oh no, I mean I didn't. I didn't know if y'all had anything else because I was, was going to transition into the last part just so we can. Uh, but yeah, y'all go I, mean, I, I think a couple comments I want to talk about and then we'll be done and I'll be quick with that. Um, but I uh, I forgot what I was about to say. I thought that I lost my some my train of thought. Um, let's look. Couple comments I want to highlight. I think. Uh, Yasmin says, I think each type of content serves a different purpose and we should judge it based on its application. So like context, ma context matters, you know what I'm saying? And being mindful of how things are being deployed and how they exist are important too. Javion says a combination of it all. So we need a little bit of everything. I'm looking for infinite blinks comment. Um, infinite blank. It was one that said, I think basically the idea, look where it is. Woman King claims a certain level of historical accuracy and Black Panther is known fiction. I, I, and this could be true, but you say a certain level. And I think, what is that level, right? Like, what is that level of historical accuracy? I think they talk about people from a certain place. I think they evoke some names and some tribes, but I don't know that there is a high commitment to making sure it is historically accurate from beginning to end. Another thing that's important to note about the Woman King, if I'm not mistaken, is that it's also produced by white women which also complicates how the stories end up being told and how we look at, you know, women in their position in certain movements. So that's something interesting to think about. Autumn says, I think if continued, they should base them off of historical events to educate the masses, but random made up stories feel like trauma porn most times. So I think that does give a weird opportunity, you know what I'm saying, to, to kind of put in gallivant some of the worst parts of people's experiences and be, here's one of our favorite words, gratuitous about what it looks like. We saw that, and I, I don't know if this is an effective overlap or not, but even in Django, ah! we saw the bloodlust, right? We saw um, kind of how much was a part of that process, and some of us questioned whether or not we needed all of that to get the point. So it was trauma porn in that way. Uh, Woman King is basically the African 300. I don't have time, but I do kind of agree with it's that. It's funny as hell. That's why it's funny. Scenes, the battle scenes were lit. The, it was lit, you know what I'm saying. I can't even, I can't even front. So for a lot of those cinematic, cinematic purposes, it was great. All right, a lot of other great comments, a lot of great feedback as usual. Y'all are awesome for kind of tapping in with us. But I'll turn it over to the plug to do whatever else we need to do. So we just got one more story that we're gonna um, close it out on. Uh, just you know, again, to stay true to the okay. chopping block. Uh, Stacey Abrams. Um, there, there was a story that came out this week about uh, Stacey Abrams possibly not receiving the, the right support or the same amount of support um, that she needs or she should be receiving um, from Black men specifically. Uh, she held a campaign event where she talked specifically to Black men and she made the statement that like with the with the help of Black men, I'll become the next governor of Georgia, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, an article came out, picked up by Fox News that kind of pointed out how we you don't see with in certain polls you don't see the same level of support amongst black men with Stacey Abrams that you see traditionally with black people as a whole. Uh, so I, the question that I want to ask y'all is: Is there a issue with black men, specifically in this case, supporting Stacey Abrams or black women in politics? And if so, if you believe that that exists, where does that stem from? I think, A, it does exist. And I think the greatest example of this, or maybe not this directly, 
but black men being out of touch with the direction we all kind of need to go in is when we saw how many of them voted for Donald Trump, right? Compared to a lot of the other uh, numbers. So like, no, Donald Trump is not a black woman, right? But I think what that demonstrates is that black men are still latch on to various parts of conservatism, various kind of tentacles of shit that does not attend to the needs of their own communities. I think that they are comfortable aligning themselves in big enough numbers with shit that does not, uh, you know, mutually beneficial for them and their counterparts. And so that was my first kind of glimpse into the, the, the weird, tricky ass math that black men can be doing when we start thinking about what is politically viable and necessary to move forward and make productive decisions. If that makes sense. I think I think that uh, uniquely in the pandemic, we've seen the proliferation of man spirit content of 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 Kevin Samuelites and uh, Andrew Taters. And I believe and I would be willing to argue that that was for the black community, an outright pipeline that sucked in a lot of black men. Um, I believe that a lot of black men that be on that, you know, what I'm saying type of content that be on that type of bullshit. Uh, slowly but surely uh, exude, express their conservative values. And it literally starts to justify a conservative ballot and or being against the Democratic plantation because you believe uh, a lot of the things that white men believe in terms of the family, in terms of religion, in terms of, you feel me, reproduction, in terms of, you feel me, abortion, in terms of LGBTQ, in terms of saying gay. So it's like, to me, I, I, say, I see it as like, uh, yes, there's an issue, um, and that issue to me comes from the normalization and the trendiness of just like uh, white man conservative values being put in blackface, high value man talk. Yeah, I, I think um, I, I I agree with the two of y'all. I think this is and and you know I think we would all agree that the proper phrase to use in in, in the lens that black men. I'm a start, and, and I, I hate. I, Niggas, here on out. That's that's the phrase I'm gonna use, okay? Because like we we know what we're talking about. Because the Fox News article and everything else pissed me off, and I feel like when we say black men, black men, it's like yeah, I hate that dialogue. Where niggas fuck up is what bell hooks calls plantation patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Right? It's the, the the things that we desire, the things that where we see power proliferate. Question, what's wrong with being pro-family? Nothing's wrong with being pro-family. There's a lot wrong with pro a particular type of family. Black people have had familial units and had them be very elaborate and dynamic over time. It is a certain type of family that we know they're looking for. I'm sorry to plug. No, no, no. I, I, right, because the issue is like let's not act like when somebody say pro-family that they it's it's not a certain type of that's pro-nuclear family. So when mm-hmm. so when we criticize the idea of being pro-family, it also has to do with how uh families like blended families, mixed families, niggas being raised by their grandma, niggas living with their mama, their grandma, no father, living and by the way, black people with... stop being scared of two mamas and two daddies. That exists too. Like it's right, just... I was about to say, you know what I'm saying? Like, got a whole right. Conversation about it. right. So, like, so let's not act like pro-family isn't coded for white nuclear family, one mother, one father, and kids. Like, stop. Uh, but the the issue that we run into though is it's it's not the way that the article try to make it sound like it's like it's a problem with Stacey Abrams, but uh, like what Toya pointed out, it's actually a problem with black men consistently voting high, like voting for voting conservative higher and higher rates than black women, right? Mm-hmm. Like black, like we we like Toya pointed out, hella black men voted for Donald Trump, hella black men are are, are, are trying to fuck with Rafi or or uh, even, not even Chris Chris black men. 
Herschel Walker over uh, Raphael Raphael Warnock. So, so it's not, it's not a, let me not say it's not a women issue because when adopting that perspective creates women issues, right? Mm -hmm. But it's, it's more, it's, it's the, the larger issue stems from what uh, niggas thinking that mimicking conservative whites is how we hold on to or display any type of black male power. But it's actually antithetical to, to who we are. So I'm saying great questions on all of that. The last story, because this is this is just a quick snapshot, and the way that y'all answered it was pretty succinct. Great, mm-hmm. thank y'all. Um, the last thing, the last story I want to talk about is last week we talked about uh, Donald Trump being held accountable by Letitia James as it pertains to uh, the her suing him, Trump Foundation, and his kids for fraud and all that type of shit, right? Mm-hmm. What what came out in the news this week is Donald Trump is dealing with a criminal case as it pertains to classified documents. Uh, He requested a special master and and was granted that special master by a judge that he appointed himself. However, the special master that he and his team requested has been no nonsense when it comes to the bullshit that they're trying to pull, as well as a, a appeals panel to push back against the judge attempting to change language. Mm-hmm. In the special master agreement, um, a three-judge panel, including two Trump appointees, pushed back and, and admonished the uh, the judge by telling her that the shit you're trying to pull, we don't do. Not gonna work. We see you. <laughs> you know no, justi- no, 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 no. The, justi- the justification for it is bullshit, right? And we recommend it be rectified. This is the appeals court. This is. Not only two Trump appointed judges, but also a Trump requested special master that's holding his feet to the fire. Now, the criticism that George laid out was that with Trump packing the courts, it was a higher chance that he wouldn't be held accountable for the things that he does because he would have an advantage on the courts. However, what we're seeing in this criminal case is that even Trump appointed judges are not going along with Trump's bullshit. Mm-hmm. Does this new information? changed how y'all feel about Trump being held accountable in his legal issues when we can when we can see specifically his judges not letting him get away with bullshit. I asked a question for Lee. He the one who y'all was up here hooping and hollering all upset in the clip. But, but I want to know, like, know, know better. He's got the plug. He's doing this. He's got this. So, I mean, Lee, based on new information, these, these, these court-appointed federal judges ain't going for the bullshit. Does that change your perception or do you feel like just the, the operating system and environment for Trump to do his shit is just too far gone for any of that to matter? Yeah, to me, I mean, I acknowledge it as being good. I ain't going to just be all the way like petty and shit. But to me, it's just like, <laughs> as a matter of fact, to me, I learned, I learned for, for this conversation, I'm using all shit I learned from the plug. Plug, plug, you should throw this concept around three, four years ago when we first started doing the chop up. Political theater. He knew I was gonna say political <laughs> theater. I would say these these, these uh, federal judges, they're smart. They smart enough to know they can't just come out right and just show they finna let this motherfucker run road. So for me, in terms of optics and in terms of rules in the base, we can't just uh make it from the outside looking in. I, I yeah, I don't yeah, to me it's just like we we shall see. Yeah. Um, I think I mean Blink. That's that's what Infinite Blink said. It sounds good. You know what I'm saying? The 
the boss mommy said, no, this judge is an exception to the rule. It's not judges, right? We are looking at unique <laughs> instances where we shouldn't get overly excited about any of the but, shit that these people are part of. Go ahead. But to be clear, it is judges. The 11th Circuit Court of Appeals uh, had a three-judge panel rule on Trump's current criminal case. Yeah. Two of the three judges on that panel were, uh, were Trump appointees. The third was an Obama appointee. There, they were. It was unanimous in their decision to rule against Donald Trump. I mean, so that's a momentum swing. But I'll tell you this, and I'll use an analogy to explain my position. I read a thread today that asked for people to give their most valuable financial advice. Like, what's your most valuable just financial tip? And one of the ones that I always operate by, me and the plug are literally in this position right now, is just don't count money or don't spend money you don't have in your hand. Right. Don't even get excited about bread. It could be out there on the table. It could be existing in front of you. But do not get don't get trapped up in that. Don't get excited and start spending money. Giving. <laughs> but I believe that's the same thing with this Trump issue. It's like I'm not I don't believe it until I see the, the, the decision come down in courts. All of it sounds right. All of it sounds good. But I cannot cash in on optimism until I actually see some type of proof that there is some institution that is willing to hold this man accountable. So it's just hard to be optimistic, to be excited, to lean into this shit, regardless of what federal judges are doing and Trump appointed Trump supporter, whatever, whatever. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Most of uh, fire trainer 92 says multiple Trump appointed judges have uh, rendered judge uh, decisions against Trump. They're not loyal to him. They're loyal Republicans. And this is where I was kind of thinking in the direction of because there are just institutionalists who are sick of the parade and of the masquerade. And so they're excited and happy now that they're in positions of power to be able to turn the tides and to really show what the the Republican. They want to be the heroes of the Republican Party. And while they not might not do that by occupying a presidency or being in some big stick position from their bench, they're going to make sure to hold up some of those standards of what they feel like is the right way to do the Republican Party. And so I don't have faith in them per se because I don't believe in the shit that they believe in, but I do believe that they are invested enough in their politics to maybe start making the types of decisions from the bench that hold that party accountable or try to bring it back in line with how they feel like a court system is supposed to operate, which is much more neutral than it has been, even if, albeit, it doesn't really serve the interests of Black people, for example. Lodious Ramblings, good morning, man. It's been a minute. Good morning. But yeah, in, in my Kanye voice. Yeah. Good morning to you, the birds. Uh, so what, what y'all, what y'all, what y'all, what y'all thinking? Yeah, with that, no, nah, with uh, now that I think that I think that's a great point to uh, you know, close yeah, it out on. Um, so I, 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 that was the last call, I guess. The the, the quick <laughs> snap chop. Uh, y'all got anything y'all want to say to the people before we close this thing? I do. As midterms get closer, as we start having more conversations, be ready for more political talk, chop, talk conversations. Be ready for us to be really looking under the microscope to see how the momentum, how the pendulum is swinging as we get into these midterms, as we look at some specific races in specific states like in Georgia, as we ask questions about what's going on around the country. And y'all be paying attention to what's happening in y'all backyard too so that y'all can be contributing to a lot of these discussions. One interesting thing that I'm seeing about these elections is that, you know, we have debates, right? 
we've seen presidential debates on TV, but there are also local races where they have debates for state politics, for city politics, whatever. And on one side, a lot of people are asking the question, should we do away with debates as they concern politics? Uh, liberals say they're not willing to freaking have debates with people who won't even admit to the results of the election. They're not willing to have debates with people who are uh, election deniers or Trump uh, champions. They don't want to deal with any of that shit. And on the other side, Republicans are saying, uh, this woke culture, this kind of biased environment we exist in has already been set up to be against Republicans, a lot of their interests. So they're not even going to waste their breath debating with people because there's just such a staunch rejection of uh, uh, Republican and conservative politics that it's just like, what's the point? So, you know, that's one example of a lot of things we paying attention to and watching as we get closer to these elections, as we move forward through a Biden presidency. Right. He's making a lot of interesting decisions right now. So just know. We in that time of year where we about to be political chopping it, and we want y'all to make sure y'all come and be a part of these conversations as well. That was my take. Me, education is elevation. Um, home hey, hey, we ain't gonna, we ain't gonna, like, hey, with that being said, <laughs> I'm hungry. I didn't stir it up. Think about what I'm gonna eat. Yeah, hey, it is what it is. We appreciate y'all joining us on this Thursday. We will see y'all. We might see y'all again sometime. Er, in yeah, we, early we, in if y'all week. missed it, we went surprise live on Saturday and had a wonderful conversation about everything happening with Ime Udoka uh, and the Celtics, what's happening with Robert Starver down there with the Phoenix Suns and the Mercury, as well as Brett Favre and his, uh, the, the, sorry, hashtag Welfare King and what he's been doing with the money that he got from Mississippi. So, Y'all catch us. Hey, and you seen too, you seen that man Barnes said if the public find out, if, if it come out everything he said, he might not keep he might not yeah, I wanna know what happened, man. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's a yeah. it's a lot to see and keep track of, but we love y'all. LZ, you was dropping a bunch of great comments. We appreciate the love you showing. You said it's always great to it's see our youngins once again. Always gives me a tiny bit, a tiny bit of hope for tomorrow. I appreciate being that hope. Y'all coming in and talking to us about it gives us hope too that we are talking to the right people and got the right audience and have the right uh just set of conversations to really have some 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 great feedback and some great breakdowns. Uh, let me see. Like I said, we got Lion Time Baby in here cutting up on a regular basis. I need you to chill next show. Much love to you. Appreciate that. Um, who else? The Boss Mommy, Melodious Ramblings, and Creep back in here. Nico came back. We got Vance back. We got Ethereal Beauty back. It's just a beautiful situation. Fire Trainer was dropping some fire comments. Like, I just want to make sure I shout you out specifically. Um, if you listening, uh, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, come be a part of the live experiences. We want your comments in real time too. So make sure y'all tap in with us and watch the show on Thursday nights. As well as turn on your notifications so you see when we go on live any other time. Anything else? Oh, my so, nah, we need to get this nigga George fed. So with that being said, we're gonna end the show the way we start the show. In the city, we gonna slide. Bet I be there pronto. Me, my guys, we really live. Lord, forgive me, pay my ties. Please don't have me reach inside. And that's in the console. Keep the semi when I ride. Little penny when I.